It happens about 22,000 times a day and largely, largely goes unnoticed. That is until we struggle with it. We can catch it, we can hold it, we can take it away, we can waste it and we can wait for someone to draw it and it can be baited. If you've ever done an introduction to first aid um, and a first aid course, you know that one of the first things you learn are doctors A, B, C, D. And one of those aspects in that is to check the airway, to check to see if someone is breathing. It's breath that gives us life, oxygenating our blood that courses through our body. But have you ever thought of uh, breath being a gift that is on loan? That one day we will have to give it back to the origins of the universe itself. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time that we can come and spend in your word, inspired Holy Spirit by you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak deep to deep. We ask that you would be at work in us and through us. Amen. Now, just a quick note, we've had some technical issues um, with some of our IT infrastructure, and so for those that are watching the recording or joining us on Zoom, sorry if my movements are a little bit jerky. Um, that's because our camera is working overtime going through a longer length of cable, uh, so we apologise for that. On most weeknights, you will find Mary and I strapping ourselves in for the emotional roller coaster that is the uh, TV series called Call the Midwife. The next slide, thanks, Stephen. Thanks. Rather than binge watching, we take an episode in uh, um, each evening before bed. Given the name, many babies are born in the show. And there's that moment, that pause that happens on the show where the whole room waits for the baby to take its first, first breath and start to cry at the shock of discovering that they are naked on TV. At birth, a baby's lungs are filled with fluid. They are not inflated. The baby takes its first breath within about 10 seconds of delivery. This breath sounds like a gasp as the newborn's central nervous system reacts to the sudden change in temperature and environment. Once the baby takes its first breath, a number of changes occur in the infant's lungs and circulatory system. Increased oxygen in the lungs causes a decrease in blood flow resistance of the lungs. Blood flow resistance of the body's um, blood vessels also increases. Fluid is drained or is absorbed from the respiration system. The lungs inflate and be begin working on their own, moving oxygen through the bloodstream and removing carbon dioxide by breathing out. Breath was at the birth of the cosmos. Today we take a look at the word ruach through the lens of the Old Testament. And next week, Sam will give us a snapshot of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament and for today. 
It's such a shame that when people think of the Holy Spirit, um, the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, that they uh, have unfortunately had it translated at times as Holy Ghost, which has people thinking more about Casper than the creator and sustainer of life. Ruach, the feminine noun meaning spirit, wind, breath. While we often bias our understanding of the uh, our understanding of the Spirit of God towards the New Testament, a quick survey of the Old Testament finds a wealth of references to the second person of the Trinity, and sometimes in surprising places and ways. Probably the most well-known reference to the Spirit of God, Ruach, is in Genesis one and two. In Genesis 1, we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. It would be a mistake to think of the Spirit of God brooding or hovering over the waters like a a chicken sitting on an egg waiting for it to hatch. I like this artwork by R. Thomas Brass in the beginning, which captures the Spirit of God moving and dancing over the waters. Yes, this creative energy, animating and invigorating. But the Spirit of God is so much more. We discover in Psalm 33 verse 6, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He ruach the word and all the stars were born. And then in the creation of humans in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and also in Genesis 2, 4 to 7, we read these words. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then in Genesis 2, 4 to 7, we read this. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither plant, wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, the spring, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. And the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the ruach, the life, into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. And for Job, he saw God's breath was integral to his very life. He believed that the ruach that he breathed was a gift from God. It originates from God and returns to God. In Job 27.3, we read this, As long as I live, while I have ruach from God, 
breath from God. You see, the Spirit, the Ruach of God, that helped to give birth to creation, it brings it to life by her very breath and continues to bring creation to life with every and each first breath that fills lungs. Soak up these words for a moment from Psalm 104, 24 to 30. O Lord, what, variety, what a variety of things you have made. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the ocean, vast and wide, teeming with every kind, um, life of every kind, both large and small. See the ships sailing along and the leviathan which you made to play in the sea. They all depend on you to give them food as they need it. When you supply it, they gather it. When you open your hand to feed them, and they are richly, uh, they are richly satisfied. But if you turn away from them, they panic. When you take away their ruach, they die, and they turn again to dust. When you give them your breath, life is created, and you renew the face of the earth. For the prophet Isaiah, he looked to God's spirit to renew creation in Isaiah 32, 14 and 15. The palace and the city will be deserted. The busy towns will be empty. Wild donkeys will frolic and flocks will graze in the empty forts and watchtowers until at last the Ruach is poured out on us from heaven. Then the wilderness will become a fertile field and the fertile field will yield beautiful crops. So as we look already in the Old Testament that the Ruach, the Spirit of God, is involved in giving birth to creation through her very breath, breathing life into the stars of the universe and into humanity. But not just at the start of all things, but if we take the Bible at its word, then even the Spirit of God is at work in breathing life into every creature. Every first breath is a breath from Ruach, the Spirit of God. And that Ruach is, um, is longed for to restore creation as well. But beyond the creation and sustaining of life and every first breath, Ruach is also involved in the equipping and empowering of people for God's service. This generally was a temporary experience for a specific purpose. It wasn't as if the Ruach, the, the Spirit of God, was, was upon a person for an extended period of time for all their life. It was generally for an, a, a shorter period of time. It could be for many years, but it could often be for just a moment a momentary um, situation. Joseph, in Genesis 41, verse 38, is recognised by Pharaoh as having the living spirit of God on him. In a passage Amy read for us earlier from Exodus 35, we hear Bezalel and Olahab were given wisdom and ability and expertise in all kinds of crafts 
and the ability to teach these crafts to others. Others include Joshua, Othniel, Gideon and Samson. And we also read of Saul having the Spirit of God coming upon him in a dramatic way, which results in Saul prophesying as a sign that God has set him apart to be the king of Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 9 to 11, we read this. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart, and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servants arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them, and the Ruach of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did this son of Kish become prophet? And amazingly, when God wanted to stop Saul from being disobedient and doing the wrong thing, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men and then Saul as well. In 1 Samuel 19, 19 to 24, we read this. When the report reached Saul that David was at um, Naoth in Ramah, he, took, he sent troops to capture him. But when they arrived and saw, saw Samuel leading a group of prophets who were prophesying, the Ruach, came of, the Ruach of God came upon Saul's men, and they also began prophesying. When Saul heard what had happened, he sent other troops, but they too prophesied. The same thing happened a third time. Finally, Saul himself went to Ramah and arrived at the great well Aseku. Where are Samuel and David, he demanded. They are at Naoth in Ramah, someone told him. But on the way to Naoth in Ramah, the Ruach of God it came even upon Saul and he too began to prophesy all the way to Naoth. He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day long, all day and all night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. The people who were watching exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? In the life of Ezekiel, we also discover the Spirit of God at work in amazing ways. It's important to remember that what we read about in Ezekiel's life and how the Spirit of God came and worked on him um, in ways that can at times baffle us today, transporting him physically, moving him. It's descriptive rather than prescriptive. It doesn't happen to every person set aside as a prophet or for those that have the gift of prophecy. But in Ezekiel 37... We have several aspects of what we've seen already today come together in one account. Ezekiel 37, 1 to 10. The Lord took a hold of me and I was carried away by the Ruach of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around and among the bones that, were covered, that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and they were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become a living people again? Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, 
speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put Ruach into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put Ruach into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was the rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as a complete skeleton. Then I watched muscle and flesh form over the bones. The skin formed over their bodies. But they still had no ruach in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O Ruach, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me. And Ruach came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army. The Spirit of God is active and intimately involved in all of creation. The Spirit of God is involved in equipping and empowering people for God's service. And the Old Testament promises a future where the Spirit of God that had not yet been fully realised or understood, was going to come and take place. Once again, God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel about a future time in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new ruach in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my ruach in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And with the messianic expectation Isaiah wrote about the promised saviour in Isaiah 42 verse 1. Look at my servant who I strengthened. He is my chosen one. He pleases me. I have put my ruach upon him and he will bring justice to the nations. The Spirit of God is active and intimately involved in all of creation. The Spirit of God is involved in equipping and empowering people for service. And the Old Testament promises a future work of the Spirit of God that had not yet been fully realised or understood and realised. And the Old Testament reminds us of the importance of a personal relationship with our Creator before it's too late. Because the very gift of our very first breath, given by the Spirit, will one day return to the Spirit of God. Our breath is a gift 
It is on loan to us for a season. A gift given by the Spirit of God and will return to God. And the best thing that we can do with the breath in our lungs is to enter into a personal relationship with and to remember our Creator. In Ecclesiastes 12, 6 and 7, we read this. Yes, remember your Creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth and the ruach will return to God who gave it. 22,000 breaths a day. Each one can be subtle and at times a stark reminder of our reliance on God. That creator God, God the Father, the Son and Spirit were intimately involved in every aspect of creation. And with the first breath, the Spirit, the Ruach of God was intimately involved filling the lungs and bringing life and renewing to creation. That the Spirit of God was powerfully and convincingly at work in people's lives time and time again to bring about God's plans, God's purposes. And yet there is still more to come from the Spirit of God. It was not fully understood or realised, but there was hope. There was a looking beyond the horizon to a belief that there was more to come because the Spirit of God continues to be at work. And so, while we breathe those 22,000 breaths a day on average, the teacher of Ecclesiastes calls on us, while we ruach, to remember our Creator with our very breath. Because our breath is on loan, a gift from Creator God to whom it will one day return. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, the words that I speak come from the breath that fills my lungs. The words that I speak come from your life, giving, empowering, and indwelling. Ruach, Spirit of God, thank you that you fill us with life. You enable, you equip, you animate us and enable us to do all things. Help us to be mindful of our reliance on you in every single breath that we take. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, there's a couple of things that I'd encourage you to do. Take a moment to breathe, to be conscious of your breath.
To feel your breath fill your lungs. To feel ruach fill your lungs. What does it mean to know, for you to know that your very first breath is a gift from God? How is your view of creation shaped by the knowledge that they are God-breathed? In what way can you today remember your creator? There's going to be some music played, and as the music's played, I encourage you to take some time to respond to the things that God, the Spirit of God, is saying to you today. God bless you.